Hey guys, welcome to This Is Fine, a podcast that touches on different areas of mental health, from traumas to self-improvement, where I, your currently confused host, Ivor, unpack some insights that may provide some direction as you navigate this thing we call life. Hmm, like, why am I confused? Because I'm still trying to figure out why I'm still single when any guy that comes into my bedroom, listen, I can screw him like an Ikea cabinet and then flip him over and then fold him like a lawn chair. (laughs) But um, this is not a relationship episode or one with salacious personal details about my dating life that no one asked for, but that I know you're intrigued by. Okay, so... Um, Let's quickly recap. I've been doing a series on the hindrances to self-mastery because um, it is my experience that self-mastery is the first point of entry when you you feel like you have a calling or when you feel like you want to do something valuable or meaningful with your life and, and you have something to... that you feel you want to achieve, basically, your dreams. So... The hindrances that uh, we have covered is sensual desire. The first one, sensual desire. The next one is ill will or aversion. The third one being dullness and heaviness. And today we will do the fourth and final one. The first one is um, the fourth one is restlessness, and the last one is skeptical doubt. So let's talk a little bit about restlessness. This this hindrance is sort of like the state of an unsettled mind. You know, it simply means that your mind cannot settle. But where, do you ask, or I hope you ask? What I think it means is it it's cannot settle in the present moment because an unsettled mind is either worrying or obsessing about their future or worrying and obsessing about the past. You know, one of my first deep understandings, a kind of epiphany like feeling was when I, you know, I had just started making a living back in, I would say 2008. And I had this tiny little room that I shared with a very unwashed housemate in a two bedroom apartment, unfurnished. And um, while he was playing online games with his girlfriend in his bedroom, I was in my room listening to these tapes I downloaded from the interwebs. You know, I call them tapes, even though I was fully listening to them on my, like, metallic blue iPod, um, 8-gigabot iPod shuffle. For those of you who remember or who knows, it was this tiny little little square one that you could easily fit into your pocket. Or, actually, the, the, the gag was that you have to, you can clip it onto your pocket so that everyone can see that you're, that you have an iPod. Um, and, uh... You know, I just realized I bought that with the first bonus I ever received. It was a tiny bonus of $100, but for me, it meant everything. (laughs) And, you know, I was making peanuts, but, you know, I wasn't acting like a monkey. I had the mind of a tiger, or I still have the mind of a tiger. Because I spent my time listening to things that challenge or expands my mind. I don't know. I've just been obsessed with, 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 with expanding my mind, if you will. You know, and now that I've wandered off the path into my memories of climbing out of poverty, um, what I was listening to is the uh, original, like, The Secret, except they called it, like, The Law of Attraction, and they did books and seminars, and it was done by a team or under the name called Abraham and Hicks. I think the author is Esther Hicks, and she's an inspirational speaker 
um, and author, like I said. I would listen to these tapes because, well, you know, back ten, back when they did them, it was literal tapes that they sold. And um, here's the thing. I, w- I didn't understand this at the time, but in the tape she would speak as if she had this wise friend, Abraham, but he, you know, he never really is on stage. You never hear his voice. You just hear her talk as him. And it turns out this woman was actually like channeling this character whom she decided to give a biblical name because, well, she's old, white, and American, so the equation does end up in Christianity. Um, And luckily for me, my disdain or uh, vehement hatred of Christianity or all forms of organized religion really wasn't as vapid and aggressive as it is now so um and also she didn't really mention religion or at least not in the tapes that I'd listened to but one of the most powerful quotes that I got and and the lessons that I got from that was um a belief is nothing but a repetitive thought you know and that quote I wrote that down and then I it led me into writing something else down and it was in this black and red A5 notebook and it, and I, I wrote down, I don't want to live a life of what ifs or could haves. You know, this was back in like 2008, 2009 and, you know, I've never forget forgotten what I wrote because I think that was the beginnings of my understanding that my mind was occupied by the past and the future and that it robs you of the present moment and that was like I said my introduction to it but you know I still had a lot of ego back then and and in my behavior and my thoughts and it would be years um, before I was reminded by that phrase that I had written down um, that says I don't want to live a life of what ifs or could haves I don't know someone may have said it somewhere but that is the phrase that came in you know um, that came up for me at that moment and I think presently or more so lately I've been rather tuned into the present moment in recent years, in the last, I would say, five years. Um, this reminds me of a, a quote, a verse from the book, The Night is Still Young, by the prophet Miss Nicki Minaj. <laughs> she raps, live in the present, that gift is for the gifted. This what you came, it's what you came for. You get what you buy, it's what you pay for. So make sure the stars is what you aim for, but make mistakes though. I mean, just talent. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty simple. But I do like that first line that says, live in the prison, that gift is for the gifted. I'm also pretty sure that's a quote somewhere. But honestly, like, it really is true. To to be able to live in the present is really a gift, um, so in the last episode, I spoke about how the language we use when speaking about anxiety and depression is something that is worth taking a look at. Now, as I've said many a times and will repeat, I am not an expert, but to all of you listening, if you only take one thing away from anything that I've said is please try and and be open to changing the way that you speak about anxiety or depression. Try not to call it my anxiety because honestly, you can't own anxiety and you don't, you can't own depression. Honestly, do you want to? Do you really want to own those things? Even if you you could, what does it serve you? What is the purpose of owning those emotions, of identifying so strongly with those things? 
I'm speaking lightly about this, but I do implore you that at least try avoiding the word my when talking about, about your experience of, of anxiety and depression. Um, I'm not saying don't talk about it. I'm not saying deny it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there is a way for you to not identify with it. At the end of the day, I understand anxiety as something that is rooted in a mind obsessed about millions of future outcomes, none of which actually like exist. But when your mind takes you there, it takes you to the future, what happens with your brain-body connection is that, you know, your brain, your, your body doesn't know, you know, you're, you're traveling to the future. And therefore, it responds as if it's happening right now and that's why you experience anxiety. You know, I'm simplifying this just to help give you a little bit of perspective about how or what happens with the brain and body when you are thinking about the future and causing worry. And the reverse is applicable to depression. The Shaolin master Xin Ying Ji calls, you know, that kind of jumping to the future and to the past, calls that the monkey mind. You know, and I've heard this before somewhere else. I'm not quite sure where, but it, as you can imagine, like, constantly jumping from one branch to the other, unable to stay in the present moment, is really, it makes it very arduous. It makes it difficult to climb your, you know, proverbial or your metaphorical mountain. The final hindrance to self-mastery is skeptical doubt. And I think that restlessness and uh, restless, restlessness of the mind really does like open you up to skeptical doubt because I think those like in my mind those two things are very closely related and it's based on like indecisiveness and that is a state that I've both gotten lost in but also have been able to climb out of because you know there are times in your life when you're given an opportunity or have mustered the courage to pursue something the, like I said, the metaphorical mountain that you feel you must climb. And what happens? Your inner saboteur inevitably whispers questions to your mind that awakens self-doubt, that awakens the, restless, the restlessness, that awakens the skeptical doubt. You know, and those questions sound like, can I do this? Is this the right path? Will, what will others say? What if I fail? What if this? What if that? These kind of questions all throw you out of alignment. Look, my experience with those thoughts are like combined with the recent research and podcasts and listening and reading that I've been doing that, um, that has helped me understand that very few people have the inexplicable Herculean confidence of, I don't know, say a mediocre white man walking anywhere on planet Earth in 2021. So those thoughts are inevitable. In fact, they are natural. Your job, what it seems to me, is, like I said, know that they are there. And the next step is to decide what you're going to do when they do come. 
Now, I'm not going to say that it's 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 easy to get rid of self-doubt because as I understand it, self-doubt, skeptical doubt is necessary and it's sort of the reptilian brain, even though that's a like controversial phrase, the 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 mechanism the biological mechanism of self-doubt is that it's it's protective so that you take a little time to say assess a situation before diving in dick first and then you can't further the species because well now you're a ken doll or you look like a ken doll after the piranhas have gotten hold of you i should have used a better metaphor there but um that's the one that i could think of self-doubt um i think like I said, is healthy because it's protective, but it is also a low-key, like, undercover mechanism that helps keep you comfortable. So, yeah, think of it that way. When self-doubt comes in, like, ask it a question. When skeptical doubt comes in, ask it a question. Are you trying to protect me from something, or are you trying to keep me comfortable? Because you can have goals and aspirations, but there's going to be an uncomfortable path for you to be able to achieve them. If that shit was easy, everyone would achieve their goals. Everyone would achieve their aspirations. So, yeah, there's not pretty, <laughs> there's uh, not much to say further, I guess. So, you know the five hindrances. Um and I hope that me bringing this kind of stuff to your attention, exploring them a little bit from my perspective, have given you a different outlook. Um, it occurred to me today while I was thinking about the episode that uh, these hindrances, like I kind of like thought these hindrances happen in order when, you know, they don't really. And if I thought that, then maybe someone else didn't like also thought that because, well, we're all human. So, yeah, they don't happen in that order. They can happen repeatedly. They can happen all at once. They can happen two at a time. I think the takeaway here is having a, a arsenal. Yeah, that's the right word. An arsenal of knowledge on your journey up your proverbial mountain. And remember that that we can remember the past, but focus on the lessons from the past. Look to the future, but focus on the view you want to experience when you get to the top. And at the end of the day, imagine yourself taking action in the present. That combination of past, future, and present allows you to align your life with the present moment and begin to work and begin the work of structuring your life and mind in such a way that it prevents and minimalizes the hindrances from arising. Like these hindrances, like the Shaolin monk says, are like a dark cloud on your journey up the mountain. They will form. But there's one thing that you can do. Simply remember, just let it rain. To allow the rain to pour, there are four tools you can use. First, recognize the state of mind you find yourself in. 
The next step is acknowledging and allowing the, situ the situation or a person to be the way it is or a person to be how they are. Then, investigate your own emotions. Ask questions. Why did they come up? My experience is that if the answer comes from blame or judgment of a situation or judgment of another person, it's a sign that you haven't accepted the situation or haven't taken responsibility for the situation. And then ask yourself, what is the consequence? And, and honestly, what is the use of remaining in that state? And the last one, one I preach and practice as much as I can, is non-identification. It's the practice of, I am not the body. The practice of, I am not the mind. I am not my emotion. It's just that I can see all these parts of me, but I am not any one of them. Like, your life is too unique, your life is too special to be this repetition of the past. And if you do want to bring meaning into your life, if you do want to bring value into your life, you ultimately need to learn to master yourself. And if you do choose to climb that path of clarity, I will be overjoyed to meet you at the peak and be like, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> um, so, you know, recently I've been... I've started vocalizing like the things that I will do. You know, I've known about this vocalization trick uh, for mental fortitude, but I haven't really been actively using it until lately. So this is where my uh, a practical, a lighthearted uh, mental health tip can come in is that I'll be at home and I'll say like, I'm focused and I'll get this done. I'll repeat that over and over again. And essentially I do do that. And let me tell you, I have some major insecurities. Scandal, no, not really. But major insecurities and maybe even a little bit of body dysmorphia, I think, um, about my my legs, you know, I've, and I've always seen them, you know, as chicken legs. And I've always said, oh, my legs are weak. Oh, my scoliosis causes me to have hip problems. And so my knees hurt and and all this, this, this very accurately researched factual and you know, coming from scientific, physiological research, reading and, and, and countless hours of listening to videos and, and uh, I mean, listening to podcasts and watching videos and in an effort to understand all of that, what I've actually done is reinforce the notion of why I won't be able to become stronger in that department. So I'm just, just feeding my insecurity and just living it the whole time. Um, so then I would just give a half-hearted effort in the name of being safe and careful when I when I do like do leg exercises so now um, the past month or two what I've started to do is that literally um, between every set I would repeat to myself I have strong legs my knees are healthy something like that then for the duration of the set I have this laser focus, like laser cutter focus, and a great body and mind connection that pulls me in the present moment. And honey, let me tell you, slowly but surely, the pants from yesteryears, things are fitting better. Pretty soon, my hips and Shakira's hips, best friends. And when I get to that goal that I've set for myself, 
you won't be able to tell me a damn thing. <laughs> um, you know, or use vocalization with anxiety. Like, say to yourself, when I experience anxiety, I'll close my eyes, take a deep breath, and f- focus on the life energy that is in my body. A great trick is to close your eyes, start to feel your hands. Like, how do you know your hands are there without looking at them? And when you close your eyes and just take, honestly, it takes five seconds to feel your hands, it pulls your attention away from the thoughts in your head that are making you feel anxious. And it brings relief. It brings you in your body and it brings relief. Um, it is a temporary relief. But it is a great way to break that cycle of, 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 of thinking that puts you in an anxious state. All right, uh, that wraps up our short little series on the five hindrances of self-mastery. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate every single year or two years or pair of years that listens in your various state of dress or undress, of being in the car, being at work, whether I'm in your ear or on your speaker. I really do appreciate everything. Um, And if you would like to support me, please uh, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Um, Sharing is the, the best way for me to help get my message out to people so i really do appreciate those that do tell their friends about it thank you very much i wish you a wonderful evening day morning remember to drink your water fold someone like a lawn chair and have a wonderful time bye-bye <laughs>